Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Can we welcome them online? Amen. I never want to apologize for being late, even though I know some of you can get a little impatient, but realize this, uh, we're, we're following the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and the thing that we want for you is that you have an encounter with God, amen? amen. And I believe that should be all of our hearts, is that we, we're actually looking for an encounter with God. You know, from the very beginning of time, all the way from Genesis, all the way to Revelation, all God has ever wanted was fellowship. God wants to communicate with you. God wants to talk with you. God wants to have a personal relationship with you. Amen? You know, as we've said in, in, in praise and worship, praise and worship really is the audience of one. It's the audience of Him. It's, it's making ourselves available for Him. Because isn't that what God wants? God wants fellowship. And when we have fellowship with God, how many know in that fellowship, we're now able to have fellowship with one another. We don't know how to have fellowship with one another without Him. Amen. I mean, I could tell you a lot of stuff, but will it change your life? Probably not. But if I tell you what he says, amen, I may know it will change your life. I believe I have a word for you today that will really change your life. So I pray that you'll follow along. You'll go through the scripture context with us. I have a lot of scriptures today, but I believe that what we're about to step into is something more glorious than we've ever experienced before in our lives. Amen. I'm doing a series right now on worship. The audience of one, but I want to talk to you today from this topic, from the inside out. Say that with me, from the inside out. You know, songs is not just playing a piano. Songs are not just, you know, strumming a guitar. Songs are not just words that are being sung. Songs come from the inside out. If you're trying to do something from the outside in, can I tell you, you will fail. You will fail. God did not create you to live from the outside in. God created you to live from the inside out. Amen. And so I'm going to talk to you a little bit about this today. We're going to go to John chapter 4. They will put it on the board, verses 21 through 24. Uh, The Bible says, Jesus said to her, her, this is the woman, the Samaritan woman, uh, and he said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. I mean, he's telling them, look, worship ain't going to happen anymore this way. There's going to be a change. You're not going to worship Him on this mountain that you're on right now, and you're not going to even worship Him in Jerusalem. But look what he says. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. So it's not about a people, it's not about a place, it's not about a location, it's not about a song, it's about worshiping in spirit, say spirit, Spirit. and truth. Amen? How many know that if you're not worshiping in right spirit, it's not truth? You can sing the songs. You could have the most joyous dance. You could have the best voice. You could be the best pianist. But the reality is if it's not in spirit, it's not in truth. And here, uh, John Jesus now talking to the Samaritan woman is trying to help us understand that worshiping in spirit and truth is to have true reverence and honor to God. You know, if you come in just to follow the song, you've missed everything that you're here for. That's exactly right. You know, really worship is having a deep respect for the presence of God. Worship is bowing down before God in your heart. That doesn't mean you have to lay on the floor, even though some do. I was a preacher over in Bulgaria that had a man that came to his service, and the worship was absolutely awesome. But this guy that was in the audience was a backslider, a multimillionaire, wearing an Armani suit. I mean, this guy looked pristine, and he said, I want more of God's glory. Well, the preacher said, well, let me pray. How many know he's got nothing to say? You know, how many know I can't tell you how to receive glory, but God knows how to give you glory. He said 
Hold on, I haven't got to that point yet. <laughs> now, in Bulgaria, you have to understand that they're sitting in a dirty auditorium in their dirt floors. And God spoke to the man of God and said, you want the glory? And he said, yeah. He said, lay on the floor. He said, well, I'm wearing an Armani suit. He said, I don't care what you're wearing. God said, lay on the floor. So the man began to get on his knees and stretch out real gently on the floor, trying to keep as much dirt off of him as he could because he wanted the glory and he wanted to follow the leadership of God, but did he want to do it God's way? So the man's now laying on the floor, not moving much because he knows he's got a little bit of dirt now on his suit, and the Lord spoke to the man of God and said, now turn over. When the man turned over, the glory of the Lord hit him so hard, he just continued to roll because as far as he was concerned, it did not matter. What mattered was he was in the presence of God. And isn't that what we really want? We really want the presence of God. We really want to hear what God has to say. We really want to be in tune to Him so that when we're in tune to Him, we can help one another. Amen? True worship is from the inside out. Paul said in Romans 12, 1 and 2, he said not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. So we need to have our minds renewed to what really spirit, truth, worship is all about. Amen? He tells you in the first verse to present yourself as a living sacrifice. That word present from an Old Testament perspective is to be a priest. How many know the only one that offered a sacrifice in the Old Testament were the priest? And so here, here uh, Paul's trying to tell us that if we're truly going to enter into this spirit of truth and spirit of worship, we've got to realize that we're coming before Almighty God individually as priests, offering up a sacrifice. What is he basically saying? He's saying, are you willing to put yourself on the altar to receive from me? True worship is being a priest, putting yourself upon the altar so that God could show up. Amen? How many really want true worship? It's going to cost you. It's going to be a sacrifice. There's going to be moments where you're going to be in this, this arena that we had worship this morning that Pastor Linda talked to you about to where there's just silence. And I'm not going to ask you to raise hands, but I know some of you were very uncomfortable. But you know what? Praise God. Get on the floor and roll. Something's going to happen. When you go out of your way to present yourself before God, get ready for a change. Get ready for God to move like you've been desiring for a long time, but you weren't willing to go the distance to get it. Present yourself as a living sacrifice before God. Amen? And don't be conformed to this world. Now think about it. If you're going to present yourself as a living sacrifice, it's not an outward expression. It's an inward witness that causes you to move with an outward expression. That's why he said, don't be conformed to the world. Why? Because he said, I don't want you to take the outside world and make it part of relationship with me. And that's what a lot of Christians do. They go in, they hear a good song, they hear good music, you know, they, they, they kind of rock with it a little bit, they get kind of excited, and then they go into the sermon and they just leave and never have a touch from God. I want to touch every time I come into His presence. I want to know that I touched His heart. By giving him what he deserves. You know the worship means to bow down. To posture yourself. To bend a knee. To prostrate yourself before God. With a true heart. Amen. Remember what we read in John chapter 4. And we talked about in verse 20. We're, gonna, we're not going to worship on this mountain. Nor in Jerusalem. But we're going to worship in spirit. And what? And truth. Spirit and truth is a heart condition. 
When I worship God to a song, I'm thinking of the words. I'm thinking how it affects Him. I'm thinking about how it ministers to Him. I'm thinking about how I present it to Him. I'm thinking about how I move towards Him. You know, I, I'm thinking about, you know, God, I just want to raise my hands right now. I just, I just want to worship You. I just want to extend myself to You. Oh, God, I'm just going to get down on my face on this one because, God, I just want to bow before You. Oh, God, I'm just going to make a place for You in this. Because that's what God wants. That's true spirit and truth worship. It's not following what I do. It's following what God has placed inside of you to do. You know, it's okay to sit. It's okay to stand. It's okay to walk around. It's okay to raise your hands. It's okay to move your body. Whatever God's calling you to do, you need to do. And if you're not experiencing God, that's probably meaning God wants you to do something more than what you've been doing. Amen. I mean, that's a challenge to the flesh. But how many want to walk in the Spirit? It's Spirit and truth. That means you've got to have to deal with the flesh that's keeping you back from Spirit. And we're going to talk about that this morning. uh, Because I believe what we're in is we're in a major, major external battle between worldly versus godliness. The world wants to consume us with music that don't glorify God. The music wants to consume us with the things of the world to satisfy our flesh, which is all external, when God's trying to satisfy us with something internal that changes the external. We've got to see this. If we can't see this, we're not going to make a difference because we're going to say, okay, I'm going to walk in the world and then I'm going to get real spiritual. Let me tell you this, you're not going to get real spiritual walking in the world. Amen? I think a couple weeks ago I already established in 1 Kings chapter 18 about Elijah calling fire down from heaven. The scripture says this, you don't have to put it up, John, but it says, How long can you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow Him, and if Baal is God, follow Him. He said, Saints, it's time that if you really want the fire of God, you want the presence of God, you've got to make a choice. How bad do you really want it? Are you willing to give it all? Come on, Elijah stood there before God, before the 850 prophets, before the 10 tribes of Israel, and they're all going, yeah, right. And Elijah knew that if God didn't show up, it wasn't going to be so well for him. But he knew that there was no place else to turn. You need to know this in true spirit and true worship. There's no place else to go. This is it. When we come into these services, this is it. This is what God wants from you. Why? Because there are people that need your experience with God. And if you're not experiencing God, how can you show them out there? So we've got to take a look at what's going on on the inside. Let me ask you a question. Did you come to the Lord because you were chasing the Lord? Or did you come to the Lord because the Lord was chasing you? Well, think about it. Moses on the mountain ran from Egypt. Now, now in a situation where he's up on the mountainside and God shows up in a fiery burning bush. Now, was Moses chasing God or was God chasing Moses? Well, how about Saul on the road to Damascus? And all of a sudden he's thrown to the ground. Now, was Saul chasing God? Or was God chasing Saul? So you've got to understand something. That all the way from the very beginning, God said after the fall of man, God was going to bring someone through a seed that was going to crush the head of the serpent. For what purpose? You. Are you seeing this? So I have to ask you, when you went after God, when you found God, were you chasing Him or was He really chasing you? He was chasing you. He was making himself known to you. Amen? See, you have to understand, the Bible says in the Bible book of Ephesians, and you can can just kind of mark that there. I'm not going to go through all the scriptures, but in chapter 1 of the book of Ephesians, it's really amazing when you read it, because he says in verse number 3, he's blessed us, blessed be the God of the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has what? Blessed us. Where did your blessings come from? God, right? 
with every spiritual blessing in heavenly place, which is Christ Jesus. Verse 4 said, He chose you and Him. Verse, verse number 4, He said, before Him, He chose you before Him in love. He pressed, predestined you. He adopted you for His good pleasure, for His will, to the praise and glory of His grace. He made you accepted in the Beloved. In Him you have redemption through the blood. He made you abound towards all. Who's doing this? God. He chose you. He chases after you. He's looking to bless you. He's looking to help you. He's looking for ways to bring things to a place between you and Him so the world could see Him. This is God's desire. God's desire is for you to be in His presence. So He makes a way for you to come into His presence by selecting you. But I love what the Scripture says. The Bible says that in the pursuit of God or God's pursuit for you, that there's a place where you can enter into the rest of God and still do His work. Now, I was always dumb puzzled by that in the Bible book of Hebrews. How can you enter rest and still work? Because you're working from the inside out, not the outside in. Are you seeing this? This is, this is very, very important that you see this. You can look that up in Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 10. And I want to say that God's goal, what is God's goal for your life? God's goal according to Ephesians chapter 3, if you'll turn there. He, he says in verse 19, and that you may come, what are you talking about? He's talking about you. To know practically through personal experience. God wants you to have a personal experience. The love of Christ which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. I mean, no, knowledge is without experience. He wants you to experience Him. And He says that you may be filled, say filled up, throughout your being to all the fullness of God so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your life. Whew, somebody ought to shout amen. amen. Look what he says. Not only that you can have an experience with the present in your life, but completely filled and flooded with God himself. Yeah. Whew, somebody ought to give some praise because God wants you to experience him with his fullness. And with His glory. But how do we do this? How do we get into a place where we become flooded? Where we become filled of the things of God? The Bible says in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 10. Read those real quick. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus. So He's telling you how you can begin this process. You first have to be saved. Amen? And then He says, Christ Jesus the Lord and then he says, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Bear, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, empty deceit, according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. You know what he's saying? He said, if you want to live life based upon what's going on on the outside, you're going to miss it all. You're going to be so deceived that you're not going to be able to experience the fullness of God and His glory. There are so many Christians walking by their circumstances and not walking by the glory of God. They're not walking in experience with God. So their circumstances now dictate their relationship with God. I mean, no, their circumstances dictate their relationships with their kids, with their husbands, with their jobs. And that's why people change all the time. Because they're following their circumstances on the outside instead of following what's built on the inside. Amen? For look what he says in verse 9. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Are you seeing that? The fullness of God bodily. He says you are complete in him. That's if you've accepted Jesus Christ. Who is the head of all principality and power. How many know God rules this thing? And he's looking for a people that can enter into his rest so that God can fill you, flood you with the fullness of him so the world can see something different in you. Amen? Amen? So what is he wanting to fill? The Bible says he wants to fill your innermost being. He doesn't want to fill your bank account. He doesn't want to fill you with all the nice cars and boats and houses which everybody else runs after. 
I mean, no, that's a byproduct of being filled with him. He doesn't care if you have those things. The difference is, do they rule you or do you rule them? You know, money's not bad unless money rules you. Because then it becomes the root of all evil. Amen? So God's trying to build, say, the inner house. Colossians 1.21 said it's Christ in you. Galatians 4.19 says it's Christ in you. Are you seeing this? 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that if it's Christ in you, you go from faith to faith to glory to glory. So God wants you to increase. God wants you to have more of a relationship. God wants you to see Him in you so that you can see that hope of glory. Amen? Why is that? Because God wants a river to flow out of you. How many want the river to flow? Well, here's what's happened in, in, in the Bible. When Adam fell, Adam went from an intimate inside relationship with God to an outside experience. And so Adam chose to try to work out this outside experience separate from a relationship with God. And we see that today in religion. What does religion try to do? You need to straighten up. You need to get it right. You need to make sure you're not doing this. You need to not sin. You need to... I mean, no, that's all outward stuff. I mean, no, outward stuff doesn't change the circumstance if you keep doing it. So why is there such a struggle? Well, let's look at a tabernacle experience or picture that, that John has that he put up on the board for me today. And I think it's interesting that you see this because Hebrews chapter 9 verses 1 through 5 begins to tell you about this tabernacle. And uh, I'm going to read that real quick. You don't have to pull that up, John, but that's Hebrews chapter 9. Because I want to show you in the external versus the internal. Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 1 says, Then indeed, even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service and earthly sanctuary. So the, the, the first covenant of the tabernacle, there was an experience with God and an experience in the world. Amen? And he goes on and says, For the tabernacle was prepared, the first part in which was the lampstand. So when you look at the tabernacle, he's getting ready to describe it. Coming in from the eastern gate, what will happen is you come into the sacrificial pit. Then you come into the bronze laver, which is the washing of the water and the word, so you might reflect God. How many know a priest does not go into the Holy of Holies dirty? Amen. He doesn't go in without a sacrifice. It goes into the holy place, and in the holy place you'll find the table of showbread on one side, you'll find the altar uh, of lamps on the other side, and you'll find the altar of incense in the middle, which is called the holy place. And then there's a veil, and beyond the veil there's a place called the Ark of the Covenant, which is the Holy of Holies. Amen? It's also another title that's used in scriptures called the secret place. Some scriptures call it the most holy and others even refer to it as the house of God. What goes, where is the presence of God at in this house? It's in the most holy. Amen? That's where the presence of God's at. How I many know all that other stuff was external work? And until they got past the external work, they couldn't have a presence with God. And so here, the writer of Hebrews is telling us about how this, how this is all about and how God has approved this particular way of meeting with men. But can I ask you a question? Did Jesus die on the cross? Amen. Did He become our sacrifice? Yes. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, can we now enter into the Holy of Holies? Yes. So that if we can enter into the Holy of Holies, into the presence of God, should not we be carrying the presence of God? then why is the church not carrying the presence? Why aren't we seeing the signs, miracles, and wonders? Why are we hearing about the glory, but we're not seeing the glory? Why are we, we, we seeing all these things that books have wrote and songs have spoken? And, you know, pour out your spirit, oh God. We've, we've sung them. We've, we've prayed them. We've, we've done all of these things. But why aren't we experiencing it? Where's the presence of God? The presence of God is not an external experience. It's an internal experience. And the reason why many are not experiencing God is because they themselves are living by such an external aspect that they can't have an, an eternal experience. Are you seeing this? See, there's some things we're going to have to change if we're really going to be able to see God in the presence in which He wants us to walk in. 
The Bible tells us in Hebrew 9, 6 and following, it says, Now, when these things had been thus prepared, the priest always went into the first part of the tabernacle, performing the services. But into the second part, the high priest went alone once a year and without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. So he's saying, look, as long as the outward tabernacle continues to stand, you can't come into my presence. As long as we continue to try to work this from a fleshly perspective, we will never experience God. Are you getting this this morning? God has taken us someplace, saints, that we all want to go, but very few know how to find it. And so I want to help you today find that way into the tabernacle, into the temple. The Bible says in Revelation, you can write these down, 2-3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says, you are the tabernacle or the temple of God. I'll say that again. You are the tabernacle. You are the temple. So where is God's presence going to be? In you. Not in the world, but in you. Amen? And God wants to come. How many know God wants to come and be inside of you? The problem is, is a lot of Christians still want to live outside the presence of God because it seems more natural. I mean, no, this is an awkward place. That means God's going to do things different all the time. Why? Because God never, never wants to get you to a point to where you've just got God cornered and man, God's going to do it my way. No, he's teaching you. You're growing. You're learning. You're changing with God. You're learning how to respond to different things that God has for you. How many know God wants to bless you? God wants to deliver you. God wants you freed from whatever it is that you're struggling with, right? You want to know why people struggle as Christians that know Christ? (coughs) They're constantly filling up on the outward stuff instead of filling up the inward stuff. They're not allowing God to come in and they're going, well, God, I'll just go to see an evangelist or a prophet and I'll hope to get delivered only to find myself getting worse. Why? Because it's not about having someone lay hands upon you, even though people can. It's about you getting a hold of what's on the inside and beginning to allow it to lead you instead of the world. Amen. And like I said, it's going to cost you. How many want to flow in the river of God? I mean, want to experience God in the supernatural. Then we've got to change our way of thinking on how to get there. Amen? The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 10 and 11, it says, Concerning only the foods and the drinks, various washings, fleshly ordinances imposed upon the time of Reformation, but Christ came as a high priest, verse 11, of good things to come with a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made by hands, which is not of this creation. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered into the most holy place once for all, having having obtained eternal redemption. Say eternal redemption. We have salvation, but we cannot walk in the things of God living in an old tabernacle. All about works. You know, so many Christians are, are living in works because you can always tell. Oh, God, stretch out thy hand. Oh, God, heal my, your servant. And it just becomes an echo like, where's he at? All we do is fill the air with words of carnality instead of getting into the spirit realm and saying, God, what's going on with this? And spending time in His presence, one-on-one, beginning to hear what God has to say. Because we know that when God speaks, it happens. Amen? I think the world has got us so, so consumed that it's very hard to tell the difference between the voice of God and the voice of Him. Do you all agree with me there? And you know why? Because we're so consumed in the external. He's not in the external anymore. He's made residency inside of you. Amen? Let me, let me give you an illustration. 
The Bible says that heaven is God's throne. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And what is the stool of his feet? The earth. Is that right? So let me ask you a question. Where does God operate? In heaven or on earth? Yeah, but think about it. Here's God's throne. Okay? Who's sitting on it? He is, right? And where's His feet? So where is God operating at? Heaven doesn't need God to operate. Earth does. So where is His feet? On earth. So where is God operating? He's operating on earth. So how many know that he's not operating from a natural perspective? He's operating from a spiritual perspective. He's operating from an internal perspective. And how many want God to work on earth in your behalf? Then you've got to let him come to the tabernacle, to the temple. If you're not allowing him to come to the temple, how can you expect change? Somebody put that up. How can you expect God to move in your behalf? We're always trying to get what we want, but we're not listening to what God wants. You know, we give Him false worship. We just sing songs just to be singing songs. No, we sing songs because they're intimate. You don't just sing songs just because it sounds good. You sing songs because it really touches the inside of you. And then when you release it out, it touches the hearts of others. Right? See, we've got to get to a place to where we come back and give God a place to live. See, God's living inside of you. God's living inside of me. Amen? You know, what was the disciples' prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Do you know what's interesting in the original Hebrew? It doesn't say on earth. It says in earth. Do you know you're His earth? You were created out of the dirt of the ground. And do you know that He wants His footstool to be in your heart so that He can rule? What was the point? So to take you from faith to faith to glory to glory. So how are you going to go from faith to faith to glory to glory living in the earth realm of the world and not the earth realm of His footstool? How are you going to be able to operate in the fullness of His glory? Amen? Amen? What does He say? Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. So we need to open up our spirits and let God manifest within us. But how do we do that? We've got to get our hearts right, saints. We've got to get out of the world and in relationship with Him. You cannot fix your problem separate from Him. My deliverance of drugs and alcoholism and all the stuff that I was in did not come because I was working trying to stop something I couldn't stop. It came because I turned my heart to Him. And I said, God, you're the only one that knows how to do this. And I began to have a personal relationship with Him. And I began to search the Scriptures. And I began to sing songs that honored Him and glorified Him. And I began to tune out the world. And I began to tune in Him into my life. And as a result, the internal began to change my external. Come on, you want your external to change? You've got to change your internal. Amen? 
The Bible tells us in Numbers verses 14, or chapter 14, verses 21, he said he fills the earth with his glory. What does he fill with his glory? You. And then he expounds it. The Bible says that he said that there's going to be a day that the glory is going to cover the earth as the water covers the sea. Where's that glory going to be? In you. That's what, he's, that's what he wants to do. That's his heart. Amen? God wants his glory in you. God wants to live in your temple. God wants to be the innermost part of your being. I mean, no, if God's the chief cornerstone living inside of you, nothing is too difficult. What's difficult is when he's not living inside of you. And then you wonder why things aren't working. Amen? Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verses 1 and 2. And I'll get back to that tabernacle here in a few minutes. I haven't forgot that. But it says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. See, if we're not really tuning in to what he's saying, tuning in to what real worship is, tuning in to what his word really says, it has no profit. I know people who quote scriptures all the time, by his stripes I'm healed, but they never get healing. Why is it? Because they're not tuning in to what he's really saying. What else is he saying about that? What else is he bringing into your spirit, man, to help you walk out? I walk in divine health. Why do I walk in divine health? It's because I know that I know that I know the sacrifice was enough. What he bore upon his back completed it. And so now I don't have to ask for something I already got. I'm living in the holy place. So when something tries to come from the outside, I just turn into the inside and say, you just got to get out of this house. Why? Because I'm standing in the house of God. And as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. Amen? When financial poverty comes, what do I do? I speak to the mountain and say, you don't belong here. God is my supplier. He'll take care of all my need according to His riches and glory. Why? Because I'm living out of the inside. I'm living out of what this has taught me and how He has entered into my life so that now I can speak those things as though they're not as they are. Come on, God created it that way. God took out of nothing and said, and it became. And God says, I'm now living inside of you. If you'll take what I've placed inside of you and begin to speak it out, you'll no longer have voice problems. You'll no longer have sound problems. You'll no longer have these other problems. Why? Because God is a creator, and He's looking for a people to allow Him to come in so He can change it. If the internal is set upon the things of God, the external will change. To go to a church that's preaching hell and damnation and you need to get right and you're going to be left and you know, you're always a sinner and you always fall short. And that's true, we all do. But how about if we start preaching, let's get close to Jesus. Let's let the Holy Spirit now be our guide. Let's let God begin to speak so that now we can begin to enter into the holy place where He is and begin to receive of what He has for us. Amen? See, the Old Testament tabernacle had to be taken out of the way because what was done in the flesh didn't work. So he sent Jesus Christ to die upon a cross so that he could enter into our heart. And after entering into our heart, fills us with the Holy Spirit. And now we live out of the internal instead of the external. Are you seeing this? Changes come into your house because of a word like this. Why? Because Jesus is coming to sup with you. Jesus is coming in to feel you. Remember David in the Old Testament? David said, I'm going to build a house for God. But God said, no, you're not. You're a man of war. But your son Solomon is going to build the house. So Solomon built a house. And then you know what God told him? This house can't contain me. I'm too big for this. So what does he do? He sends Jesus, dies upon a cross and said, I'm going to fill your house because that's where I want to reside. Isn't that awesome? God in you, the hope of glory. Paul said, he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. Are you seeing this? We've got to get the inward man working to meet with the things of God. Amen? 
The Bible says in Exodus 25, 22, he tells them about the tabernacle. He says, he says, if you'll go and, and, and make a place for me, I'll come and meet with you and tell you things is coming. Make a place for God, a place where God really wants to meet with you. Amen. The Bible tells us, and I'm just going to quote some scriptures for you to take a look at. Second Chronicles 16, 9 says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. You know what? God's not resting until He finds a place in you. God is going to and fro, looking to show Himself mightily in behalf of those who are committed to Him. He's not looking just to go, Well, you know, that person over there, I'm sorry they're going through that. I'm just going to... No, he's looking for a people that he can show himself mightily to. He's not going to show you things mightily to you from an external perspective. He's going to do it, first of all, inside of you. And that's what he wants to do. Amen? The Scripture says in Psalms 132, verse number 13, that God desires to rest in Zion. Who's Zion? What is Zion? Where is Zion? If you look at it from a Jewish perspective, it's Jerusalem. If you look at it from a religious perspective, it's the Jews. If you look at it from God's perspective, He calls it earth. Do you know you're His earth that He wants to reside in, in Zion? So when he's sitting on the throne and his feet are a footstool on the earth, where do you think he wants to be? In you. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> You're his earth. You're the place that God wants to be. I'm, I'm blown away by it. I'm, I'm blown away that God would want to be in this. But he tells me that's where he wants to be. He wants fellowship, worship, intimacy with you and me. That's all he's ever asked for. But what do we do? We put him aside, we take care of all these other things, and then once or twice or three times a week we come back just to have a relationship with him. No, he wants a relationship 24-7, 365 days a year. Why? Because he's got so much he wants to share. So much he wants to do. Matter of fact, the scripture says, and we talked about it, he wants the glory to fill the earth. How's it going to fill the earth? From you. What did he tell you in Isaiah 60? Rise and shine for the light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And in gross darkness you shall be like a light and seen and all the, the nations will begin to come. Where are they going to come to? Those who are carrying his glory. You want to know when the big harvest is about to happen? When the church begins to walk in glory. Get ready for the coming of the Lord. Amen? Is this helping anybody today? So, where are you looking for God? When, when you pray? When you have needs? When you decide that someone else has a need? Where are you looking for God? Oh God, come! No. Silver and gold I have not. But what I have... I'm going to give to you. What did, what did John and Peter say to the man laying there at Gate Beautiful? When they went to him, he thought that they were going to give him something, and they were. But it wasn't silver and gold. It wasn't an external experience. Matter of fact, I love it because Peter looked at this man and said, look at me. He didn't say, look at God. I mean, he couldn't see him. Look at me, because I just got filled on the inner man, the things that are needed to change your inner man to make you different for the rest of your life. Silver and gold I have not, but what I have, I've got this throne of God living on the inside of me, the chief cornerstone, living in an earthen vessel, ready to be released upon you, but look upon me and then receive. And guess what happened? The man jumped up, and because of what happened on the inside of him changed the way he dealt with things on the outside because the Bible says he began to leap and to shout and to worship God what happened what they had on the inside was released to him on the inside and it changed the external 
See, saints, we're always reaching out going, I'm going to pray for you, sister, because we're expecting God to change the internal. Why don't we begin to reach out and begin to release what's in us so that they can have something fill them to change everything around them? No longer are we trying to get people healed. We're just releasing what we have, and they're getting it. That's why a lot of these ministers are going around the world right now just laying hands on the sick and they're recovering because they don't even, these people don't even know Christ. What are they doing? They're releasing Christ that they have in them to those who need them. And they're receiving. I mean, you watch Todd White and some of these ministries that are going around the world right now. It's amazing the miracles that are happening. And you know, sometimes they can't even preach Christ and Him crucified, but what do they do? They release Jesus and they show Him the power of God. Come on. They get changed, and how many know God can do the work from there? Is that right? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What does the scripture says? If two agree upon earth, touching anything in heaven, it will what? It'll be done. Out of your belly shall flow. Hmm. How are we supposed to heal the sick and how are we supposed to deliver those who are oppressed? The Bible says go and lay hands. He didn't say go and pray heaven down. He didn't say go pray some main scripture. Don't, you know, go and, you know, become real spiritual to help these people. He said, no, just take what you have. Go. I think that's pretty simple. Go is half of God's name. The only thing that's not on go is the D. And you put God on it, you got God. Go. Take what you have and begin to release it. I mean, imagine people getting healed because of the God that lives inside of you. How many get excited about that? Right? God is looking for a people to flow like a river. And the question will be, is that you? I'll say that again. Will that be you? The only way it can be you is when you make a place for God. And let God in to your house. He wants to come. He wants to be a part of your house. He wants to show himself mightily. But we've got to realize we can't take in the external things of the world and expect us to walk in the holiness with God. You know, think about it. If the heavens is his throne, the earth is his footstool, which is Zion, the earth, which is inside of you. And you're trying to live by an external perspective and you're dragging the things of the world in to the holy place where God is. How do you get the world out? It's really pretty simple. Get up in the morning and praise Him. Get up in the morning and put your heart towards Him. Get up in the morning. Quit talking about, I hope I don't have another bad day. I hope I don't slip. I hope I don't fall. I hope I don't run into so-and-so because I'm just so weak in this area. No, set your heart to the things of God. Worship God. Get up and exalt God. Turn the world out. Turn the TV off. Turn the Facebook off. Turn off the things that are keeping you polluted. And get your mind focused on the one that keeps you clean. You don't know what to do. The Bible tells you in Jude chapter 20, uh, Jude 20, 20 through 25, to build yourself up in your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. Build yourself up. Why? And he goes on into verse 21 and says, so that you might know the love of God. And as you know the love of God and you have this relationship and God is living on the inside, he said, then if there are some that you can pull out of the fire, pull them out of the fire. Are you seeing this? But it starts with an internal perspective. Think about this. If you're living for the, from the eternal perspective, you're still waiting for the sacrifice. But if you're living... From an internal perspective, you've received the sacrifice. It's two different realms. And we have to choose which one we live in. Amen? John seven thirty eight says, Whoever believes in me out of his belly shall flow.
rivers of living water. What does Ezekiel 47 talk about? It talks about the water coming out of the throne. Where's God's throne? In you. He said you'll wade in your ankles, your knees, your waist, and then you'll get into a place to where there'll be leaves on both sides and healing everywhere you go. Saints, you know, we might start out wading in the water as we work towards this perspective, but there's a place where you can step into the flow of God that will change the world. Amen? Amen? I, um, I heard an illustration that I thought was really good for this sermon, and it's looking at things from an external perspective. And, you know, of course, being the fall and all the leaves coming off the trees, how many know you can get out there and rake, but there seems to be more leaves still on the tree, only to have to get out there and rake some more, right? And so you go through the process of raking the leaves, but there's still those that still haven't fallen. You, you know they're going to fall, so you go out and you just kind of shake the tree and you hope that they're going to fall. But up on top of this tree, let's use a peach tree for an example, there's a rotten peach. And you keep thinking, man, I'm going to shake this tree and that thing's going to come down. And it's like, <laughs> is it ever going to come down? And you go three months and that stupid old peach is still hanging up in that tree. The springs come, man, the leaves start blossoming out. Man, the tree starts producing and you go, wow, look at all of that. And you're walking along and all of a sudden that peach falls out of the tree and hits you in the head. So what's that story all about? It's very simple. When the tree begins to work from the inside out, it gets rid of the bad stuff. But as long as you continue to work from the outside in, you're going to keep it. You're never going to get set free. Amen. Does that help anybody today? The Bible says in Galatians 5.16, Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's a promise. If you're walking in the Spirit, if you're keeping the Spirit man alive, how many know the things of the flesh won't hold you? I don't mean you won't miss it once in a while, because we're all human. But what do you do? You just turn back to the presence of God. Amen? That's what we've got to do. We've got to get the innermost being flooded in our lives. Look at Psalms 102. I'm getting ready to land this plane. I know you're getting tired of it. but Psalms 102, um, verse number 13. Look what, look what David says. You will arise and have mercy on Zion. Who's Zion? The flesh, us. For the time to favor her, yes, the set time has come. Do you know that there's a time where God's going to come in the fullness of His glory? There's a set time for this. Amen? Go over to verse number 16. And he says, For the Lord shall build up Zion. He shall appear in glory. He shall regard the prayers of the destitute and shall not despise their prayer. This will be written for the generation to come that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. He said there's a time coming where there's going to be true worshipers in the house. They've truly come with the right heart, a right spirit to receive of all that I have and then begin to release to those who need it. There's a set time. Are you going to be part of that? Are you going to allow God to have a holy habitation? Or are you going to continue to try to build the tabernacle from an external perspective? You know, when I think about building a house, I think about digging the ground, putting in the foundation, getting the subfloor laid. Right? Right, Wayne? Putting the walls up, getting some electrical and plumbing and insulation in, getting the sidewalls put up, putting some sheetrock on, you know, making sure the rafters are set right, making sure the supports are right, right? That's what we do. That's the way we think as human beings. But let's look at the way God thinks. Look at Exodus 40. I wanna, I'm going to just actually go there because I want you to see this. Exodus chapter 40. And it's really amazing when I saw this because I've never really put the two together with where we're at today. But in Exodus 40, it said, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, On the first day of the first month you shall set up the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. So here he is getting ready to build the tabernacle, right? 
And you shall put in the ark the testimony, the partitions, and the ark with the veil. You shall bring the table and arrange these things that are to be set in order on it. And you shall bring in the lampstand and the lights its lamps. You shall also set the altar of gold and the incense before the ark of the testimony. Put up the screen for the doors of the tabernacle. Then you shall set the altar of the burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle, the tent of meetings. And you shall set the labors between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar and put water in it. You shall set up the court around it and hang up the screens in the court gates. And you shall take the anointing oil, anoint the tabernacle and all that is in it. And you shall hollow it and all the utensils and shall be holy. Are you seeing the process here? He, he begins to identify the building of the tabernacle in the Old Testament. How did he start building it? Did he start building it from the walls inward? No, he put the Ark of the Covenant in first. And then he built everything around it. What am I saying? You've got to build the Ark first. You've got to build a place for the anointing first. Where is the presence of God in the tabernacle? In the ark of the Holy of Holies. Where is the presence of God today? In the temple of His people that make a place for Him. Are you seeing this? Saints, all this other stuff will get worked out when this stuff is right. You know, we cry out for this and we cry out for that and we cry out for God to do something, you know, major in our life that we're believing Him for. And God's crying out and saying, if you just build a place for me, I'll take care of the place for you. Matthew 6, Put the kingdom of God first and I'll add all these other things to you. Is this making any sense to you today? Start from the inside and let God build the house outward. I promise you, you'll never be the same. Why? Because you'll be living out of His tabernacle. You'll be living out of the presence of God that will change your life and the lives of others forever. Are you getting a hold of this? True worship, true fellowship, True intimacy with God is making Him first in your house. And then out of that, God can do anything and everything that needs to be done. You know, we, we may need things for a home. We need, need our finances uh, fixed. We might need, you know, things in our body. We might need things for other people. How many know it doesn't come from an external perspective? It comes because we've built a place with God. And from that perspective, God begins to change everything else. That good? See, we come out of five weeks of common union with God. That's what we taught on for five weeks. The blood and the sacrifice and the elements and Judas's and, you know, we talked about, you know, how Jesus laid his life down. And then we found out that really what was it all about? The heart of God. Communion, common union into me see is about having relationship with God. And how do we have it? Through the cross, through the death, burial, and resurrection. But it goes beyond the death, burial, and resurrection. It goes for making a place for Him in your house. Amen? And when you make a place in your house, God will take care of everything else around you. I don't know about you, but I want more of Him and less of me. And I hope that's your prayer today. Amen? I will say this online today. You can't make a place for Him if He's not in your life. Because if you don't know Him, you know about him, you know about religion, you're still going to live in the external and you're still going to struggle with your stuff. And I know, I hear people say all the time, when I get things right, you'll never get things right without him. Unless you invite him into your heart, you'll never find what's needed to fix it because he's your answer. But when you do, 
and you accept him as Lord, not just Savior, but Lord of your life, I promise you, your life will never be the same. Ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And when he fills you with the Holy Spirit, he'll begin to build this inner sanctuary in you. How do you do that? Find a good church. Learn how to truly worship, not just sing songs, but give your whole heart to him. Give your whole heart and words. Say, God, teach me, train me, show me how to walk this thing out. And I promise you, he'll do that. The Bible says, study the scriptures and show yourself approved, a workman, rightly dividing the word of truth. You will not be ashamed, will you? If you're dividing the word right. And I'll tell you, your life will never be the same. You can do that today. You don't have to do it here. You can get offline. You can put your head on your pillow or sit in your chair and say, I just need you in my life to help me, Lord. And in doing so, fill me with your spirit and then show me how to get involved with some place that I can learn more about you. And then you'll be a light to the world as well. We love you and we'll look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you.